1 Corinthians 12, 18. Uh, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And may God bless the reading of his word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. We have been, for the last several weeks, considering a short series of messages on Christianity, just taking a biblical view of what it means to be a Christian. And uh, we've considered how that a Christian is about becoming, uh, because no one is born a Christian. You have to become one. And we become a Christian by being born again. Jesus said it, you must be born again. And I pray that you have been. Uh, then it's also being a Christian is about believing because as Christians, we believe the truth of God as it's revealed to us in the Holy Bible. We accept and embrace the inspiration and authority of Scripture. And though we do not make any claim to always do and always obey the Bible perfectly, we, none of us would make that claim for ourselves. Yet we always declare that we have a perfect Bible, amen, that God's Word is perfect to us. And so if we're failing to live up to that standard, it's not that we need to change the standard. Uh, it's that we need to change ourselves. And that brings us to the third thing that the Bible teaches us about Christianity, which is about our behavior our behavior as we try to line ourselves up in line with the scripture. Paul told Timothy, his young protege, while he was pastor of the church at Ephesus, uh, to teach him in 1 Timothy how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Last week we began then looking at the last of these concepts, uh, becoming, uh, believing, behaving, and now belonging belonging we noted that the apostle peter referred to christians with numerous nouns of multitude things like a generation a royal priesthood a holy nation god's own special or peculiar people he told us that we are living stones and we're being built together then as a spiritual house uh, the, and that house, of course, being the church of the living God. So this sense of belonging is built into our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. We aren't born again to exist in isolation. God makes us a part of Jesus Christ. So that the Bible says again and again and again and that we are in Christ. And not only are we in Christ, but Christ is in us. And so we are a part of him. We are a part of Christ's body. We are in him. We are in his body, the body of Christ. We discuss this then as it relates to how we are both in Christ and in Cabot. And that scripture that speaks, or that concept in scripture that speaks most specifically to this, how we can be both in Christ and in Cabot, is the expression, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We see this in our text today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
where Paul was talking to the church at Corinth and, and also to all believers in all places because he uh, put a very large audience in mind when he addressed that book. So it's not just those believers in Corinth, but all those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord. So that includes all of us too. You see, of course, and he had a broad audience in mind of believers and he would write to them about this great principle of the body of Christ. He would use the illustration of the human body. The body is one and has many members. Uh, we have arms and fingers and legs and toes. And, oh, we've all got mouths and know how to use them, baby. And I tell you, we've, uh, we've got ears and eyes. And uh, we've got all uh, kinds of parts, members of the body. And all of those bodies, all those members do not have the same function. And so he addresses how that we have different giftedness or different state of giftedness in all of our lives. And yet God has made us all a part of Jesus Christ. He would bring the same concept to, to Rome in Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function... So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Rome was a large city. Uh, depending on which writer you read, it was uh, perhaps the world's largest city in the New Testament era. And so with a population nearing a million people, there was more than one church in Rome. There were numerous. Uh, most of them were probably house churches. And uh, many of his letters then would begin with a reference to a specific church. But to, in Rome, he said to all those who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. He was writing in anticipation of his visit there. He had never been there, as far as we know. He was not a member of any church there. And yet he says, we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Thus establishing for us a concept of being one body in Christ. Though they were separated by distance. Though they were separated by experience. They'd never met each other. Yet they were one body in Christ and members of one another. And we can express this very simply for us today. If you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, if you are a member of Christ and I'm a member of Christ, if you're in his body and I'm in his body, then we're also connected to one another spiritually. And that's exactly what Paul establishes for us in Romans chapter 12. That spiritual connection, the same one that Simon Peter made when he described us as a holy nation and God's own special people. There's another passage in Ephesians. So we got three then of Paul's letters that I've brought up this morning that talk about the same thing. Ephesians 3, 3. Uh, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. And uh, that mystery he's already identified and he says that, as I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now that mystery he goes on and describes that in other ages was not made to the, uh, known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So what is the mystery? Well, here it is. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. 
You see, it was not a mystery hidden, not revealed in the Old Testament that Gentiles could be saved. The Old Testament is full of references to Gentiles that were saved. Ruth comes quickly to mind. Rahab comes quickly to mind. Those both ended up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so it was not a mystery that Gentiles could be saved. Of course they could be saved. How were they saved? The same way that Jews were saved. By looking forward to and believing on the coming Messiah of Israel. That's how they were saved by faith. Abraham was saved by faith. Everybody who was saved in the Old Testament was saved the same way. So it wasn't that there was uh, some mystery about Gentiles being saved. What was a mystery? And it was a big one was that under the new covenant through Jesus Christ that Gentiles would be brought in as equal participants with the Jews. That was the mystery. God hadn't revealed that. Oh, it was quite the story about how God revealed it. I wish I had time to go into it all this morning. I'll just remind you of that whole story about Simon Peter and Cornelius. You remember that, Acts chapter 10? Going to see that Gentile, crossing into his home, eating with them, uh, sharing the gospel with them, seeing them, then baptized, filled with the Spirit of God. Oh, it was a wonderful story. But then there was even after that, there was so much discussion and so many things that had to be spelled out. And so this was a mystery. It had not been revealed in the past that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs, joint heirs with the Jews. And that we would be of the same body. That we would be in Christ along with the Jewish believers. That we would be a part of him. A part of his body. And therefore a joint participant or a joint partaker of his promises. All three of these realities are spoken of as being ours in Christ. That is, fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ and by the gospel. He did not say it's in the church and by baptism. He said it's in Christ by the gospel. And so he has identified very clearly for us then that being a part of the body of Christ, being a, a participant in all of this, and all of these blessings, fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise, which would relate specifically to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the preeminent promise of the New Testament, that Jews and Gentiles would be one in this one body. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 we looked at last week for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many of one body so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free and have all been made to drink into one spirit please notice again uh, the Bible does not speak of being baptized into water but being baptized into the one body of Jesus Christ and he tells us that the spirit of the God is the one who does it he immerses us places us puts us into Jesus Christ at the same time then we drink in we are saturated by the spirit of God so that the Bible says that we're not only in Christ but Christ is in us this is that great doctrine of union with Christ this is how we belong to the body of Christ this is how we are in Christ this is how we are certain of our eternal destiny in heaven 
when we're saved, an indissoluble union is created between the believer and Jesus Christ. We're in him. He's in us. Now that takes care of the in Christ part. But what about the in cabot part? And as we keep reading then and Paul's discussion in 1 Corinthians 12, we come to these words we saw in our text in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individual. You are the body of Christ. Now you in English can be both singular and plural. Context determines whether you is singular or plural. Uh, but in Greek, it was not left to context. There were different words and different formations of words. And this was a word uh, for, that is a plural. It could literally be read with good southern English, you all. You all. That's a very accurate translation of that. Now, you all. And so are, are the body of Christ and members individually. There is no doubt that Paul referred to that specific local church at Corinth as the body of Christ. Every local church exists as the body of Christ in that specific location provided a course that that church has not so perverted itself that Christ has no more to do with it which is a very present reality. Remember, the book of Revelation pictures Jesus on the outside of a church knocking on the door trying to get in. He was on the outside, left out. They had everything but Jesus. What a sad reality for a church to have everything but Jesus. Every local church then exists as the body of Christ, provided that it is not so perverted itself that Christ has no more to do with it I must tell you also that there are those who reject completely this idea that a local church exists as Christ's body. Within their purview, the, the local church isn't nearly important enough to be designated as the body of Christ. They see a, a vast host of believers, maybe the body of Christ in Cabot or the body of Christ in Arkansas, the body of Christ in the world. And, and, and they've made such a broad interpretation of this that, that they don't see the local church as that important. And I beg to differ. Of the 107, if memory uh, uh, serves me correctly, references to the church in the New Testament, 92 of them are to a local church. In fact, many of them are plural churches. Churches, obviously, to local churches. At the end of the New Testament era, Jesus spoke through John as he picked up his prophetic pen and wrote that magnificent book of Revelation. It begins with letters that Jesus Christ wrote to seven churches. 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 In Asia, modern Turkey. Each one of those churches existed and to every one of them, Jesus said, I know your works. Before that, he was pictured. He pictured himself in, in John, Revelation chapter 1 as moving among the, the lampstand. And they asked him, what is this lampstand with the, the tiara, with the seven, sevens, uh, 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 lampstands going forward? And Jesus moving among it. What was that exactly? And they told him, well, these are the churches. These are the churches. The stars 
his right hand were the messengers of the churches. Uh, to those who would minimize or take away from the importance or significance of the local church, I, I just tell them they need to keep reading the New Testament. The local church is very obviously God's plan. And it exists then, and it's tied to locations. It is because we are tied to locations. It'd be one thing if we were all spirituals. We're not. We have a spirit, but we're not in the spirit. We're in the body. And so we need a physical place that we can identify with. And God gave us one. Jesus started one while he was here. It can, it, you say, well, how many was there? It was only one. There could be only one. Why? Because Jesus was in a physical body. Where was the church when Jesus was here? It was wherever he was. Wherever they gathered together. Yeah, things would change. And he told them that. And again, I don't have time to go into all of that this morning. Jesus did promise us, though, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, that where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And I would remind you in Matthew 18, the context is the subject of settling disputes in the church. I know it's hard to believe that people would ever get crossways in a church. I know that's hard to believe or hard to imagine. But, you know, if a brother offends you, Jesus told you exactly what to do. Go to him and tell it to him alone. <laughs> what a novel concept. According to Jesus Christ, if your brother upsets you, go to him or sister, go to him and tell him face to face alone. Why we can't even put it on Facebook? Y'all hadn't read Matthew 18 lately, I don't think. If we're still having problems, then we go and get two or three more. And if that doesn't work, we do what? We tell it to the church. And it was right there in that passage that Jesus said in Matthew 18. Where two or three of you are gathered together in the midst, there will I, and uh, there will I be in the midst of them. Jesus promised, you see, to be with his churches. Obviously, the lo local church has a huge part to play in God's kingdom agenda. So when we're talking about Christians as a people who belong, and we speak of these two locations where we belong, we are both in Christ and in Cabot. And when we are talking about being in Cabot, we are talking about the local church. That's what we have, a local body of believers committed to one another, operating under the headship of Jesus Christ, identified by its beliefs and practices, existing for the goal of making disciples, and therefore expanding the kingdom of Christ. So if we are in Christ because we believed on him and we are spiritually immersed into him so that we are in him and he is in us, and how does that play out for us in Cabin? 1 Corinthians 12, 18 in our text says, God had set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. And then in verse 28, God had set some in the church, first apostles, Secondarily, prophets, teachers, after that, miracles and gifts of healing, governments, diversities of tongue. God has set the members in the body. God has set some, some in the church. 
And since uh, where before he was talking about our union with Christ earlier and talking about our spiritual giftedness and how God has gifted us and he's united us with Jesus Christ and we're in him and he's in us through the Spirit. Now he's made that application to the local church. And as he does, he tells us very quickly that God sets some in the church. So I can tell you this morning then by the authority of 1 Corinthians 12 and 28 that God the Holy Spirit works and moves in the lives of his people to set us in that local church body where he wants us to be. That though a lot of things, a lot of factors may figure into this, ultimately we are a people who seek the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And God sets us in the church. Just as he pleases. Now, if we're asking about how this all plays out in a realistic way, well, we'd go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. First of all, uh, then those that gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Who is the them? Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people in the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. People were saved, baptized, and added to the church. Uh, we still see that going on a lot. Not nearly as much as we'd like. I can do it every Sunday for a while. But sooner or later, <laughs> I, I, I kind of felt a little out of place today. I wasn't starting out the service in the baptistry. I like that. I like seeing people saved and baptized and added to the church. Now, if we're not careful, we'll get the idea that people are baptized into the church. But if that were the case, you'd have to be baptized at every church you ever joined. And, uh, and, and would be baptized. Into. That's not the case. But it is a normal way that this thing plays out. That's uh, what Jesus told us to do was to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded to you. So that task of making disciples involves then people being saved and baptized and added to the church. Most everyone here this morning has at some point in your life been saved and baptized and you were probably added into a church. Uh, you may still be at that very church. I, I remember a while back we, we had a, a man, he's sitting right over there as a matter of fact, who joined our church and he said he'd been at the same church for his whole life. And this is the, only the second church he'd ever belonged to. That's not the experience of a lot of people, but it is the experience of some. You can be saved right here. Spend your whole life right here at Faith Baptist Church. You may never belong to another church. Or you may move. Or you may, something may happen. Some, God may need you somewhere else. Something may happen. And then you would have to change churches. And so we have then Romans chapter 16 to tell us about that. Romans chapter 16 and verse 1. Paul said, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who's a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of saints. Receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she's been a helper of many and of myself also. You receive her in the Lord. It's what we call a letter of commendation. 
It's interesting that in that same chapter, just a few verses later, there was a letter of warning. Verse 17, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. Isn't that interesting? So here was Phoebe that Paul said, You receive her in a way that is befitting of saints. That is, of the people of God. You welcome her in. But then there are others. And if their walk or if their testimony or if their beliefs are contrary to the doctrine that you've learned, avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. And on either side of that, you'll see there's a formal act of recognition. The church would receive Phoebe. We don't know what church Phoebe joined when she got to Rome. No doubt it would be one close by. Since she was carrying the letter to the Romans, she would very likely have maybe visited around some and gone to several of the churches there in Rome. But eventually she would find one. She would settle down. She would become a part of that one and make that decision known. That I feel like this is where God needs me. This is where God wants me. And they then would receive her. Receive her. And it was the same on the other side. There might be some who would be rejected. That is that fellowship would be withdrawn from them. So as in many other things then, when we look at this concept of belonging as it applies to a local church, we see it play out through baptism when people are saved, baptized, and added to the church. But we also see it play out where people are led then to a church. Maybe they've moved there. Maybe something has happened. Whatever. They feel led there. And they make that known. And then when their testimony is, is, is in, in evidence, we see that they're saved, that they have been baptized in a church of like faith and order, then they can be received. And they are to be received. How does the Lord do that? How does he lead us? Well, as in everything where we seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit, things are, are some, uh, it may be a little bit hard for us to pin down. Why does the Holy Spirit lead us to specific churches? Well, the most obvious answer to that question is that God may lead you to a church because you need what that church has to offer. That church is doing something. That church has something that you need, and the Lord knows it. And he then leads you to a church where you can receive the things that he knows you need. It can also be on the other side of the fence. It may be a church that needs you. I mean, if a church is a body of Christ, we may need more fingers or toes. We might need more feet or hand we we might need something that you can add to the body and the Holy Spirit knows that and therefore he leads you to that church either way though God's plan for Christians includes belonging we may think that well you know I'm in Christ I'm headed to heaven I'm a part of his own special people I'm one of his children that's fine I'm just fine with that well God's not fine with that how do we know it because God told us that people are to be saved baptized and added to the church It's in Acts 2, it's in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, very plain. 
You see, we are a part of Jesus Christ. But God commands us to be baptized. So we put our faith on display to a watching world. And though we are in Christ, so that we are seated together in the heavenly places in Christ, yet God intends for us to put this on display in the local church. Now this whole idea of belonging to church has fallen on hard times. Local churches are complex creatures <laughs> because they're made of people. And offenses happen. Differences occur. Sometimes, you know, you come to church on Sunday and you bump into somebody that just got up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and, and they might be rude to you. And, you know, we can be rude about some of the most absurdly ridiculous things sometimes. And churches can be messy. Um, that's true. Um, I used to talk about something that irritates me personally. Is that it sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard. All of you people my old age and older remember that sound. All of you younger people I know have never heard it so you can't possibly understand how irritating and grating that can be for somebody to rake their fingernails across a chalkboard. There's something that is kind of irritating to me when I hear people say it all the time these days. It seems like every time I turn around, I hear somebody else saying, well, I'm a Christian, but they say, I, I just don't want to be a part of organized religion. They want to say that. Oh, it sounds kind of sanctimonious, I guess, kind of, oh, just, oh. I know I'm not supposed to be irritated, but that just grates on my nerves for two reasons. Number one, our church ain't very organized. <laughs> and number two, a church is not a religion. We are not a religion. We are a body. That makes us an organism. And we work together as we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And yes, yes, it does get a little complicated sometimes. It does. Churches can be messy. But we're not supposed to give up on them. Not supposed to just say, well, I'll, I'm just done. Churches can also be sloppy. For many churches today, belonging means the same thing as attending. It's two different things. Many of you may think that's what Faith Baptist is. It isn't. Attending is one thing. Belonging is something else. And I want to say this plainly today. If, first of all, if God isn't leading you to be a part of Faith Baptist Church, then you don't need to join here. If God isn't leading you here, you don't need to join here. You need to go find the church that He is leading you to join. Not just to say, well, I don't, I don't like this. Remember, God sets the members in the body just as he pleases. But if you are convinced that God has led you here and that you are being spiritually uh, nurtured here, then you need to talk to me or one of the pastors so that we can find out where you are spiritually, where your testimony is. It may be that you've been saved, but you've never been baptized. It may be that you've been saved and baptized and you joined a church and, and, and maybe that's somewhere back in your childhood years, long, far, far away. And it's been many, many years then since you actually belonged to church. You've attended a bunch of them and you've attended this one, but you've never joined. 
Belonging to a church is more about attending. It is, involves that formal act of recognition, and that's important. You know, our relationship with Jesus Christ is compared to marriage, so I'm not really stretching when I bring this up. But it's possible, as you well know, for people to live, for a man and woman to live together without being married. You know that. You know that. Very popular in today's culture, very common. But it's one thing for a man and woman to live together. It's another thing for a man and woman to be married. You see, being married involves a formal act of recognition, something that both the state and God recognizes. You say, well, Brother Rich, you mean God recognizes marriage? Of course he does. But if you ever had any wonder about it, just read John chapter 4 when Jesus was dealing with the woman at the well who said, I have no husbands, and Jesus, I have no husband, and Jesus said, what you said is true, because you've had five husbands, and are now living with a man who's not your husband. You see, Jesus certainly recognized the difference between people living together, as opposed to people who actually make that commitment. Now, don't you go away from here this morning mad at me, because I I got on to you because you're visiting the church and, and you say, well, that's just like we're living together. I, I thought about that. And so since I was afraid some of you might say it, I'd just go ahead and say it. No, I'm not meaning that there's something bad wrong with you attending a church. But I am saying to you that God intends for more. He intends for you to make a commitment to this church so that we can make a commitment to you. For God then, for us to recognize you, you're a believer in Christ, baptize you if it's necessary, and then begin to teach you in the scriptures and lead you, provide you with places of service so that you become a functioning, active member of this body. And unless you join here, then much of that is just not possible for you. So, this morning, through these passages that I brought to you, we see the two ways in that people become a part of a local church or become a part of Faith Baptist. And we see them established biblically. You can be saved and baptized and added to the church, as we did see in Acts chapter 2. Or you can become a member by recommendation. That is, where uh, you come from another church and they recommend you to us. Because they have seen you saved, they've baptized you, or they, they were around where there was another church somewhere in your background that saved and baptized you. Uh, sometimes we can't get formal recognition from other churches. Either they've gone out of existence, or recommendation from other churches. Maybe they've gone out of existence, or, or, or things happen sometimes. And so we sit down with you and listen to your testimony of faith. Oh, I'll tell you what. Uh, if, if you're going to join this church, I want to know when you were saved. I want to hear your testimony of salvation. I want to know when you were baptized. Absolutely, sure do. And then if it's okay, then we can, if they know those things are solid, then we can recommend you, I can recommend you to the church, that we would receive you on your statement of faith. And all of that then born out of what Paul said in Romans chapter 16 about our beloved sister Phoebe. Receive her. Receive her in a manner that is becoming unto saints. I don't know what church she joined, but I'm sure since she came with a recommendation from the Apostle Paul, I'm sure she was received. 
Baptism, salvation, baptism added to the church, of being recommended to the church. And we try to make the process as informal as possible. You've seen it play out again and again. Somebody comes, we talk to them, we listen to their testimony of salvation, when and where they were baptized. And then we announce that to you. This brother, this sister feels like the Lord is leading them to become a part of our church family. And if you're excited about that, you say amen. And then we go by and we shake hands. And by the way, that's important too. And I know that you've got reserved seating over at KFC. I know that. (laughs) You're in a hurry. I know. But when somebody joins this church and you're a part of this church, then you need to welcome, receive that person. Tell them what your name is. You say, I won't remember. I know. I know. We'll work on that. Receive them. Next week, we'll have another message on this belonging part. And in that message, we'll talk about the fellowship aspect of the local church. I'm just going to read this passage. It'll serve as our text next week in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. There's that mystery again. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. The manifold wisdom of God. Oh what a great passage that is. And I look forward then to be able to talk about how belonging then includes the fellowship of the saints. But today, we want to wrap up by making this appeal. You may have been visiting our church, attending here for a long time. And I'm not singling you out today. I'm not calling you out. But if the Holy Spirit of God is leading you to make this church your church home, then I'd plead with you to do that. You can come forward in the invitation. You can come see me after church. You can get, grab up Brother Justin, Brother Shiloh. We'd love to talk to you, have a conversation. I want to hear your testimony. I want to find out when you were baptized and how. And what church did it? I want, I want to hear your testimony of your salvation and your baptism. So that you'll be not only in Christ, but you'll be in his local New Testament church too. One more thing and I'm done. One of the most dangerous things that can ever happen to anybody is to be in the church without being in Christ. I didn't get a lot of amens there. So if y'all checked out, check back in. One of the most dangerous things that can ever happen to anybody is to be in Christ or to be in the church but not in Christ. In the church but not in Christ. Many an old evangelist used to go around this country preaching that there's people all over the world who are going to hell on a church letter. And that's the truth. They're in the church. They've joined the church. But they're not in Christ. Don't make that mistake. There's a difference. You see, you must be in Christ before you can be in the church. You must go through baptism before you can be in the church. 
then once those things are set and settled, you need a church home. You need a church family. And next week we'll talk about how that plays out in our lives. Let's stand together, please.